Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, your brothers and sisters in Christ. You can feel it in the air. It's graduation time, right? These last couple weeks and a couple weeks maybe here in the future, and, and people are graduating, hitting these major milestones, and it's a, it's a time for rejoicing, for celebrating, for congratulations, you know, because of all that, the effort, the the perseverance, you know, the prayers of parents and grandparents for, for these young people as they, as they studied and did all the things they needed to do to graduate. And we mark that milestone with celebrations and congratulations and how cool it is. But we also, you know, there's, I remember, you know, going through graduations and things like that, and there's always maybe that, you know, there's the certainty it's done, it's exciting, and you celebrate, and then there's also those thoughts that follow after the graduation parties kind of start to, to trail off and you realize, okay, what next? What now? And not to throw a wet blanket on all the celebrations or graduations today. No, it's still worthy to celebrate. still a very awesome time. Celebrate it. Enjoy it. Um, but, you know, as Christians, we don't, we don't find our certainty maybe in our plan. Or it's good to plan. It's good to celebrate milestones. Those are gifts from God. But we don't find our certainty in that. We find our certainty in who our God is and what he has done for us, and what he is, and who he's made us. We find identity, we find purpose, and we find attitude. We are children of God. Romans chapter 8, verses 14 to 17. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. This is God's word. You know, just those first words. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Children of God. Led by the Spirit. You know, we weren't always children of God. We weren't always led by the Spirit. You know, maybe we didn't realize it at the time, but by nature we were born in sin and sinful. Conceived in sin, born in sin. Paul tells us, Ephesians chapter 2, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. You know, living, breathing, moving around, but spiritually dead. And... Paul tells us in Romans, you are enemies of God. So what's dead and yet a hostile enemy? A zombie, right? So it, Scripture doesn't speak of zombies, but if you want to think of it in those terms, spiritual zombies is what we were by nature. And we were destined for wrath, deserving of God's punishment in hell, but we know that God had mercy on us. We know who our God is. God the Father sent his son. We read about it in John chapter 3. He explains it to Nicodemus. He uses the picture from the Old Testament. The snake, you know, the, the, the bronze snake being lifted up, people looking to it and surviving the snake bites. And then also Jesus comes and he fulfills that picture perfectly because he's lifted up, dies on the cross to pay for our sins. And then through the Holy Spirit working through word and sacrament, God worked faith in our heart. God made us children of God washed clean at our baptisms, connected to everything Christ had done. Being led by the Spirit doesn't mean we're perfect. No, the only person who's perfect is Jesus. But at our baptism, Paul said, you were clothed with Christ's righteousness. As many of you as were baptized in Christ 
have clothed yourselves with Christ. So we look to Jesus, and yes, we are led by the Spirit, and then we want to do what God, we have that new person in us. The Holy Spirit lives in our heart, makes our bodies his temple. We want to follow God's word, God's will. But finally, we don't do it perfectly. We look to Jesus, and he did it perfectly for us. When was Jesus led by the Spirit? Do you remember? He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And he was tempted in the ways that were tempted, but he was tempted after 40 days of fasting, tempted and, and tested. And what happened? He withstood each of those temptations perfectly. And he did this as our substitute so that that would be credited to us. He came out victorious and he was led by the Spirit. And so you and I too are led by the Spirit of God and we are, we can proclaim, we are children of God. That's our identity children of God. That's our purpose, living by his spirit, living according to his commands, living in the peace and forgiveness he has won for us. And it's also a new attitude, a very liberating attitude of, of, of knowing this and then our motivation and everything about us. Paul said it this way, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. You know, you're having that conversation with someone and you're like, okay, you know, we're talking about spiritual matters and, and you all know something about spiritual matters. Um, and, and we ask it, maybe you ask it, you go, um, you know, you going to heaven? You know, you think you're going to heaven? And, and what do most people say? Sometimes even people who are members of a church, they'll say, I hope so. And then they follow it up with, I've been a pretty good person. Which is kind of a very scary response because that, that's just the world's religion. That's just how the world works, or our sinful nature works. You know, isn't that basically every other religion, where it's like, you know, do some good and hope for the best, and maybe? There's an incredible amount of uncertainty there. And also, deep down inside, we have a conscience, don't we? Whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, whether it's, it's people here at God's house, Christians, or it's people out there who, who are, you know, running away from it, or ignoring it, or trying to... to everyone has a conscience that tells them, you know, right from wrong, but also convicts us and says, you know what, what you've done is wrong. And it's not pleasing to God. And deep down inside, we know because of our sins, we deserve God's wrath and punishment. You know, pretty good works if you're comparing yourself to me or to, to, to the person in the pew next to you, depending on who the person in the pew next to you is. But pretty good works, you know. But we're comparing ourselves to a holy God and his standard is be holy as I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Jesus said, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And you and I haven't met that mark. And so there's a great degree of fear. And if, and if you think that's the way to get to heaven is, you know, do some good and hope for the best, that, that's a recipe for hell. And so there's great fear and trepidation. And that's, you know, being slaves to that fear. Being slaves to sin, shame, and guilt. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. Our triune God only knows how to give good gifts to us. And what has he done? God the Father sent his son to redeem us, not with gold or silver, but with his holy, precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death. All this he did that we should be his own and live under him in his kingdom. The Holy Spirit has communicated this to us. 
you've been baptized, you've been baptized into Christ. You've been adopted into his family. You have the right to call upon God. You've been washed clean of your sins. This is your new identity. This is your purpose. Your forgiveness is one. Dad. 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 Where's that voice coming from? You know, I hear the hustle and bustle in the kitchen. Somebody's over there playing on a Game Boy or something. You got My Little Pony blaring out of the TV room. Appropriate amount of TV and electronics in my home. Um, and then it's coming from upstairs. You know, I go up the stairs. At the top of the stairs, there is a pile of books and paper and pencils and pens and eraser and glue. Like somebody's desk just got poured out at the top of our stairs. I hear the voice again, Dad, it's getting louder. So I, I go around the corner, go down the hallway, door closed, Dad, I open the door, what? Dad, like he didn't hear me, what Gus, what do you want? Can you help me pack? And then I realize that I see his book bag there, which is now empty. So that was all his junk at the top of the stairs, getting ready to pack. They were gonna go overnight, you know, stay with aunt, and it was, it was gonna be fun, but he needed help packing makes no effort, or at least his effort had expired, as he's laying by this empty bag, help me pack. Which I know, you know, he's done the packing before, and which that's a recipe for no underwear, no, tooth, no toothbrush or toothpaste, you know. So I'm like, okay, I'll help you. Teachable moment. Father and son moment. Here we go. So I, you know, sit down with him, you know. Remember, we were going to go to graduation and church tomorrow. Okay, so here's, you know, church clothes. Does this fit you? Yep, does this shirt? Okay, play clothes, you know, fast pants, stuff like that. Get it all in there. Um, does this work? Okay, I'm packing it. Zip up. I look. He's gone. He could be the loudest kid in the world, but when he wants to be gone, he slips out. So I go down the stairs over the obstacle course and, and downstairs, look in the other rooms. He's in the corner of the room where they're watching My Little Pony. I'm like, Gus, I packed your bag for you. What do you say? Thanks, Dad. Dad, can you close the door so we can keep watching? You know, because I was apparently being way too loud and interrupting, so... Why would I do that? Why would I do all that? With ingratefulness, and he could have packed himself most of the way. You know, it's because I'm his dad, and it's because I love him, and because he knows that, that he could ask. Paul said it this way, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Think of all the things that we could rightfully call God and, and, and do in Scripture, you know, the, the just judge, Master, Lord, but how does he want to be called by us? How does Jesus even teach us to pray to him? Our Father. That's the relationship we have. That's the connectedness we have with him. That's the confidence we can have in approaching him. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Don't doubt it. God has placed that new person in you. Yes, you have the old person in you until Jesus calls you home to heaven. There's going to be that battle. But even that battle, as you look inside, is a sign that you are a Christian, that you struggle against temptation, you struggle against the, the, the temptations of the world, the devil, and our own sinful nature. And you're here in God's house. That's a wonderful thing, you know, with, with very, maybe not a whole lot of prodding, maybe a little prodding, but some of you ran to God's house. You're like, I need this. And you realize this is what children do. They want to spend time with their father and with their father in heaven and praise him and give thanks to him. 
But then as we look inside, we also realize there's sin, and we realize we fall short. There's the angry times. We lose our patience. We judge others. Um, we, a whole host of other things, and we, and we get tripped up, and we fall into temptation, and we sin, and we offend our God, and we wonder, you know, does God, am I really God's child? But what does God do through his word? He calls us to repentance. Our conscience convicts us, and enlightened by the word of God, knows that we're not lost in our, um, not lost in our sin, or God hasn't turned himself away from us. No, God said to his, God turned away from his son on the cross, and Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we know that Jesus said, it is finished on the cross, which means our sins are forgiven, and we can go to Jesus, and, and go to God, and he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins. And he has, and that cries out that you are God's own child. If we had ever any, any question about it, we go to the thing that's even the most objective is his word and sacrament, where God's word proclaims to us how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. God's word proclaims forgiveness to you. Through your called servants, God proclaims forgiveness to you. Through a trusted Christian friend, they proclaim forgiveness to you, and God said, that counts. That's good. Baptism, a simple but beautiful, miraculous thing where you are claimed by Christ, adopted into his family, and the adoption papers have been signed. The Lord's Supper, where Jesus says, you, here's the proof, here's the receipt, take my body and blood with the bread and the wine for your forgiveness. And don't doubt it. Believe. This is true. You are my child. And we can cry out, Abba, Father. We have certainty in who our God is. We have certainty in what our God has done and what he has made us and the forgiveness he's won for us. But the doubts still come, don't they? Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. When I read things like that and hear from God's word, if, we indeed, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory, I don't, at first I don't like that because I don't like to suffer. I have a low tolerance for pain, especially mouth pain and different things. But I don't like to suffer, whether it's externally in my body or internally, emotionally, mentally. Um, you know, and then, and then isn't that one of the ways the devil gets at us? You know, like if we suffer or things go wrong or we struggle with depression or anxiety or doubt or, or we struggle against sin or we fail and the devil goes, are you really God's child? You know, he lets you go through all that. Are you really God's child? You don't seem to be doing too hot. Are you really God's child? But the second thing I always think about when I read this is God says that as we are led by the Spirit, as we follow our Savior, we're going to suffer. Did Jesus suffer? Yeah. Who are we following? Jesus. So what are we to expect? You know, Jesus said it this way, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. You know, we, we want to do God's will, but yet, you know, we feel sometimes penalized for it. Maybe we're left out in our group of friends or whatever it is because we want to follow God's path. Maybe it's that we're making sacrifices that, you know, we're happy to make, but yet other people don't have to, and it seems their life is easier. You know, as we give our time, our talents, our treasures to the Lord or in service to our neighbor, and, you know, and that, that kind of gnaws at us. 
But no, this is what Jesus said. Take up your cross and follow me. This is what we're doing. We're following our Savior who did this all for us. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. You know, Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores. He wants to bed us down in green pastures. He leads us beside quiet waters. But there are also times, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but he keeps us moving through these places. This isn't our eternal home, being in suffering, being in difficulty. No, Jesus paid for our sins. He did the suffering that counted once and for all, you know, for eternity, that, that, that we are now forgiven. But we suffer in this sinful world, in our spirit, in our emotions, in our physical body. But that's not the end. The wonderful promise is there. We share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Realize, it just means that, yeah, we suffer, but that also means that the opposite is true, that we're going to be in glory. We're going to be in heaven where there is no suffering. That's for eternity, not just 80 or 800 years. That's forever. No more crime, no more sin, no more shame, no more guilt, no more difficulty, no more depression, no more anxiety, no more doubt, no more... Um, harsh relations and family, no more any of the bad stuff, but being at peace, being at rest, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, because we're with Jesus. We are children of God. There's no question as to who our God is. He, he tells us, triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God and three persons and three persons in one God without mixing the persons or dividing the divine being, and he's active for us. God created us. Um, God the Father created us. God the Son redeemed us with his own body and blood, um, not with gold or silver, so that we would be his own in the Holy Spirit work through the word and sacrament to make us adopted children of God. And that is what we are. That's our identity, that's our purpose, that's our attitude, that's our confidence, our connection, and our certainty. Congratulations. We are children of God. Amen.